how are you going to be a good leader if you're not looking after yourself? So how do you remedy that? You know, practice your breathing techniques, you know, do some meditation 10 minutes before your walk. Maybe while I'm walking and sometimes if I've had a bit of a loaded day, I'm a little bit stressed. When I'm walking six six steps out, oh, I'm out breath, six steps in breath. Mm. Calm myself. Two, now, en- two ends of the leash, man. For sure. If you're not if you're not looking after yourself, then how are you going to look after anyone else around you? So normally the anxious people normally have the very hyper um, aggressive or hyper reactive dog because they're mm-hmm. finding the yin and the yang. Remember we talked about before in that last session. There's order and then there's chaos, mm-hmm. right? Um, if you're in, um, if you're what's happening is if you're if you lock up, then something else is going to go opposite. Welcome to Life with Your Dog podcast. Our focus is educating dog owners, enthusiasts, and dog trainers about ideas on how to train, manage, live, and thrive with our dogs. To teach dogs to live in our society while our dogs teach us how to live in the now. I'm your host, Panos Anagnostu. And I'm your co-host, Luke Badman. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the show. All right, when you're ready, man. All right, episode eight. We're how back. You how you going, brother? Good, man. Very good. Back for number lucky eight. I know. How good's that? Yeah. So, we're doing... Uh, infinity. Infinity, yeah. That's it. That's it. So, reactivity, huh? Yeah, reactivity in dogs, our topic for the day. You've come to a few sessions now. Yeah. And you've been watching. A lot of it has been built around reactivity. Mm. You had a question about reactivity. What was so, it again? So, the word reactivity... To the amateur like me and to the people that are listening, you might hear that word and think, ooh, that's like automatically means like an aggressive dog or a dog that bites. But reactivity is a broad, very broad term, right? In my belief, I think so. Yeah. If we just look at the definition of what reactivity means, it means that you're reactive to some stimulus that you're faced with. As opposed to proactive. And proactive would be its opposite. Yeah. Is that we are, and proactivity can be that, not that we talk about proactive dogs, but I guess in one sense, maybe yeah. maybe that means but it's something. In, for the word itself. It's, for sure. Yeah. As a definition, proactive is that we respond before the stimulus makes us react. Mm-hmm. And then reactivity is that we reactive to things that are around us. So, when we have a dog that is reactive or he's, he has high reactivity, it's because he's reactive to things that are happening around him. It could be other dogs, could be the bird, could be other people. Um, cars driving past, sounds that they hear, thunderstorms. Sure. So basically any stimulus yep. that's occurring around. And most of the time, we're looking at dogs are reactive to other dogs. So that's- reactivity is a stimulus and then an undesired. Uh, maybe just a behavior if we want yeah. to get it more scientific. it's not. It may not be that it's undesirable. Sure. But in the way we use it, it generally means that it's, it's something. someone comes to you and says, my dog's reactive, it generally means. He's barking and lunging and he's yeah. acting up on the lead. Yeah. And it'd be ideal that we- don't have that, so then we can have more of a social dog with good manners. We're going to see reactivity just out of excitement. So it doesn't mean that the dog's going to be aggressive. Aggression is when a dog was to act aggressively and he actually makes contact, so he actually makes a bite. So you can walk past and the dog's barking, 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 but then they approach each other and they sniff. There's no aggression. Aggression would be when the dog would bark, bark, or may not even bark. He may just walk up, see a dog spooks him, and then goes for the bite straight away. Right. And until there's that physical contact with the biting, that's when what we're going to call aggression. Mm-hmm. Reactivity is usually what happens before the dog acts aggressively. Right. So, 
to stop reactivity or to help deal with reactivity in our dogs. There's a few points that I've written down, so hopefully I cover as much as I can. Yep. I see it a lot with a lot of my clients. You've come, as I said, you've come to a few sessions now and you're seeing how we're dealing with it. Mm. And the first and foremost, and this is going to be a common theme with all concepts of training is good management. If you have your door wide open of your house and the dog walks past and your dog runs out and starts barking and then potentially becomes aggressive, mm. bad management makes a bad outcome. Yeah, you could have fixed that probably 10 steps earlier. Like, yeah. Or if, let's say, like the dog um, barks at every person that walks past the house. It's like, well, why are you letting the dog see through the fence? Or For sure. And you know some people mean? can't change the house, so, you know, but at least – like in terms of real management, mm. you want to have your doors closed when they don't need to be open. If you are going to have the door open, then manage your dog by having him in the backyard or in his crate. If you're going to have him outside of the backyard or outside of the crate, he's on a lead, When you, especially when you're out in public. There's no point clocking up more repetitions of successful behavior if we're trying to stop the, that behavior. Now, yeah. some people want their dogs to bark at the gate when people walk past because it gives them a sense of security, the sense of presence. Sure. So that reactivity can work as long as – it's not excessive, so then you're not disturbing everyone around you. But if someone was to enter the doorway, for example, or the gate, and then the dog starts barking, then people use that as like their, their doorbell. It kind of gives that space where burglars are less likely to come to your house if the dog's making a lot of noise, even if it's a small dog. Yeah. It's, um, so some reactivity can be a positive thing. However, as long as we can control it and manage it, which is important. So, for example, if we're trying to so – yeah, so, good management, let's talk a little bit more about that. So, if you're going to go out on a walk and your dog is reactive but you have them on a very loose collar, bad management if the dog can back out of it and then continue running. Or, for example, management would require you, if you're going to go out, have those reinforcers on you. If mm-hmm. your dog's motivated by food, then have food with you so we can start harnessing that dog's focus and attention and rewarding them um, accordingly yep. for them to understand. Right behaviors that we're looking for being prepared for that being behavior. prepared for it yeah. of course so yeah. in your case i mean when i've seen you work with the client's dogs you use a martingale collar yep. um for 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 the dogs um so you've got that collar and then you've got your food pouch and so that's that's setting up to be prepared for whatever behavior the dog is going to display good or bad exactly yeah definitely if you're going to go out like so and it's regularly i see my clients they get it, they get their tree pouch, they have it all, but then we meet up somewhere new and they don't have the tree pouch on them. I'm like, well, how are you going to reward them? If you were, you know, for girls that are wearing tights or boys that are wearing shorts, but they want to put their food in their pocket. Mm. There's, there's many reasons why having the pouch is a good idea. First of all, it sets you up. You've put the intention out there. All right. Now I've got something or have the ball with you or the tug, something that your dog's going to respond to. Mm. Most of the time it's food. It's how we use it. But there's heaps of times where we use different reinforcement with the pouch itself. Is it uh, is the pouch is the pouch only the best option because of accessibility, or are there other reasons why you should be using a pouch as opposed to let's just say like a little plastic bag in your hand or something like yeah. that? Good question. Having the pouch gives you, as you said, accessibility. You yeah. can grab your pouch, One grab hand. the food out. You can give it to your dog. Yeah. You're quite quick with it. It's not messy. Um, it's not messy in terms of your technique. Having food in your pocket, undesirable for a few reasons. Of course, it dirties your pocket. Second of all, by the time you get that food out of your pocket, especially if it's in a little sandwich bag, by the time you're rustling around, you can't get the food in time yeah, probably. About 1.6 seconds we've yeah. talked about. And that's why using your marker is good. For sure, you give the marker to the dog. The dog then can wait 
those few seconds for you to get the food out of your pouch or even if it's in your pocket, it's fine. However, if you're using a plastic bag and you're trying to rustle inside your pocket, you've created a new conditioned response. The dog hears a right, and the dog starts looking at you. Maybe you're preparing to get the food because the dog's seeing a dog and the dog has probably done everything that you wanted. However, you didn't mark accordingly to how the 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 program is. The program would be that you set yourself up that the word yes means food's coming. I will now follow through and get that food. So having the plastic in your pocket it gives us a couple of issues and and it's harder like for example if you have the pouch on you know that you're using it where if you don't get into the habit of having that pouch then over time you may forget to take the pouch you may forget to reward and different things like that so i think those are like some of the reasons yeah, why a tree pouch is important yeah. um if you walk around with food in your hand it's very obvious to the dog right. the dog can see your hand in a certain way that when you're holding something and when you're holding food you got a clenched fist your hands normally up above your waist mm. so the dog sees that or smells the food and then knows our oh, food's ready now so then- that itself becomes a pavlovian thing for the dog right for sure yeah he's also saying that you're about to reward me now so of course i'm going to listen to you right but then when there's no food in the hand and the hand goes back into normal ordinary body language then the dog goes there's nothing available yeah you know there's there's no opportunity now for me to get rewarded yep. so i think it's that's the best all. option the pouch is the best option for sure they're like 15 bucks on the internet. So. It's so easy to have. Yeah. It looks a bit goofy. You look like a bit of a dog nerd, but hey, have, have opportunity to, to reward cares? your dog. Who cares? I'd rather have my a good behaved, well behaved dog. And, the, and this is more for like in the initial times of training. There's times where everything's come good and we don't need a reward yeah. as much as we're rewarding and we've proofed a lot of the behaviors and you go for a walk. There's no food mm. involved with the walk. Obviously, you're not walking around with a food pouch when you're walking nookie in spades. That's it. And most of my clients won't if, if they've gotten to the, the level where they don't need to. Yeah. That's our goal that we can do these set up a structure and expectation that's, without having to constantly yeah, reward them. That's much them. further down the track. That's our goals, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, good management. You And, of course, talking about the leads is one of our Q&As. Use the right leash so it's comfortable and you set yourself up for success. Using the martingale collar is, for a few reasons, good for training but if um, and it's good for safety. A dog, it's very hard for a dog to slip out of a martingale collar if you have it on adjusted correctly. If you have a flat collar, they can slip out of it. Um. Also, on top of the good management, when you're out and about, management is about where you're going. If your dog's highly reactive and barking at every single dog that it sees, then there's no point walking in a very busy environment like the Esplanade in Cronulla, yeah, where there's just dogs, dogs everywhere yeah. in a very short path. Yeah. Yeah. You've set everybody up for success, and then, you're, as I said, we're clocking up more repetitions of the behavior that we're not looking for yeah. compared to going, all right, let's start off in a quieter environment. We're going to see a few dogs or with your trainer that they have that demo dog. Yeah. And then we can set it up, what to do, what not to do. And then over time, as you progress, then we start. Yeah. In- so slowly increasing that stimulus That's of right. dogs or whatever yeah. they're reacting to. Exactly. Yeah. And so we talk a little bit about counter conditioning. So how do we combat the reactivity? What do we do for the dog in terms of conditioning to change a dog's perspective? So I'm not sure if we've spoken about this in other episodes and everything's going to overlap mm. anyway. However, counter conditioning means that we're trying to create a different response in the dog compared to the behavior That's that is showing. Yeah. So, if it's a norm- normally we're talking about reactive dogs. A dog sees a dog across the road, he starts to bark, 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 and then that's his conditioned response. Mm. Counter conditioning is countering that by getting the dog to do a, a different behavior that's usually desirable to us. And that way there, then he's conditioned to do something else. So yep. what you would do is inside the home to begin with, you have high value food or the dog's dinner. You have your dog's dinner in your pouch 
and you start showing him what the look command is. So you get the food you put in front of the dog's nose, you lure up to the, do- to the side of your face. As soon as your dog looks into your eyes, you say yes and then you reward. Yep. There's many ways of doing the look command, but this is the way that I teach it. It works really well. Do you mark the word look as well or not initially? So I, so at, at this age, because I'm shaping and you're and you, and, yeah. and you sh- well, you're not free shaping because free shaping would mean that you're not, you're not assisting the dog. Okay. The dog then starts to do it himself. Right, so you're using food to get them to look up. Yeah. So I lure you mark that. Yeah. Yes. So then the dog looks towards me as the dog makes eye contact. Look. Yes. Reward. Look. Yes. Reward. And then over <laughs> time. Looking. Right? By the way, we have Spades and Nookie here with yeah. us today. Spades has been hard at work in the heat today. Yeah. It's hot day today. They say it was going to be 35 degrees. 35. Yeah. Beginning of summer. In How October. Exciting. It's crazy. Yeah. Well. The, the season's getting hotter. Yeah. By every year, seems like that's what's happening anyway. Time to retire this, baby. Yeah, you got to get a new dog soon. Yeah. Sorry, bud. So, back to that look. The dog looks at you, you reward. The dog looks at you, reward. Over time, we would like to then take away the lure hand by, and the process of doing that is then having no, once the dog starts understanding what looks means and then you start to lure him, then you have no food in the hand. You move your hand up to the side of your face. You say, look, the dog looks, yes, and reward. Look, yes, reward, and we continue this until we start to see, again, more success. Then still while you're at home, no hand lure. You say, look, the dog looks at you, then you mark it, then follow through and then give the food. Again, having that pouch there, you got that food really accessible. You're not looking around trying to find it. Then you start doing this in the driveway, do it out in the street, and then over time, depending on how good you and your dog are and your consistency, you know, you can start doing this within the week, a week and a half, two weeks, you start um, showing the dog that when we see a dog in the distance, so let's say the dog, every dog has a different distance of when they're reacting. Some dogs, the dog has to be 20 meters away from to react. Where some dogs, they see a dog just in 100 meters away and they're, and they're already getting excited and, and, and over aroused. When Spades got attacked after that, how, how reactive was he? Well, it's a long time ago. I'm trying to think now. I think more with Spades was more when the dog was approaching. Got so it would have been within like the 10 meter radius. Yeah. Um, and that's when he was, yeah, lunging out. So, yeah. and I did the same technique with spades there. There's other variations of counter conditions, so many different variations. This is just one way. And it's yeah. a simple way for people that are listening. And they it can, works. they can try to, yeah, and it does work. Yeah. Um, again, with good timing. And, uh, and again, the hardest part of all of this, whether you watch a high quality video or listening to us on the podcast, and even when I'm right in front of you in the flesh telling you how to do this, it, it working with timing and working with intensity and, you know, being proactive and having good situation awareness, like all that stuff yeah. takes time to, to learn it. So they're good life lessons to learn anyway. Um, because one thing about all of this, if you're going to do counter conditions, that you need to have situational awareness. You need to know what's happening around you. Mm. you. Can't walk down the street, your dog's reacting, going out of nowhere, he reacts, and then you look up and there's a dog across the road. So you need to be able to spot what's happening without being paranoid, be calm, be relaxed, and be observing. That's one thing I've noticed with you when you're working, um, like as soon as the dog's on the horizon, another dog, you've, you've noticed it. Yeah. And obviously that's 10 years of working like mm-hmm. this. So you've no- Or let's say like I think one of the dogs was reactive to bikes. Mm-hmm. And I mean that was a bike path, but like as soon as the bike was on the horizon, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, there's a bike coming or there's a dog coming. So being having that 360 awareness of, of where you are and, and what's happening. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, a, it's a good point. Great observation as well on your end is that what is it that the qualities of the owner need to learn mm. so then they can get – because when I'm working with a dog, I can see these things, so I'm already set the situation up. Again, good management, having that awareness, and then going, so what am I supposed to do now? Because what the normal reaction is, 
the dog starts to come, we tighten on the lead. The more tighter on the lead that we go, the more reactivity we see, something called opposition reflex. The dog reacts. I'm sorry. We put pressure on the lead. As soon as we put that pressure on, the dog resists it and goes opposite direction, and that's what happens most of the time. Happens as well if you're out in this. Uh, is that less so with a martingale collar because of the positioning? Depends on how you got it on, and yeah. depends on 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 so many different variables. So normally, the way that is appropriately put on, tight and high, yeah, is that if you got that sort of pressure on, the dog is probably going to stop breathing if you have it on for too long. Mm. Obviously, um, when it's down low, there's a lot more stronger. And most people that are using this technique, or Sorry, that are putting a lot of pressure on the leaders when they're on a harness or on, on a flat yeah. collar most of the time. And look, and you can still have a um, a check chain, a prong collar, a, a martingale collar high on the dog's neck, and you're still getting opposition re- um, reaction. So every, it depends on each dog. Yeah. However, and that's how you got to learn how to use negative reinforcement, how to use the pressure and the handling of the lead is what's going to make it happen. But but if we show the dog that every single time we see a dog in the distance and we crank on the pressure. Even before they're reacting, we're giving the dog a cue of something's about to happen. Then what normally happens, if the dog then can, proceeds to walk past with holding pressure, holding pressure, the dog then starts to disappear, the dog starts to calm down because the dog's so far away now. So he stops reacting and we take the pressure off. He's learnt that he barks and barks and barks to keep the other dog away. And the pressure on the lead then then has not become a way of guiding him and communicating with him. You've mm-hmm. now just learned how to hold him back. So you're putting restraint on him and you're not giving him ability to make the decisions himself. So you're not really doing anything yeah. except for you're kind of managing the situation by like, yeah, anchoring <laughs> yeah. him back, which, again, is, is probably not a bad thing. Beats someone letting their dog run up of and course, then bad things but happen. We're right? talking about in the terms of counter conditioning yeah. for future incidences. We want to try to make sure that we've got that good that, that good leash handling. So. So just to break down that counter conditioning, we see a dog in the distance, know where your dog's reactivity um, distance is mm. from him and the other dog, for example. So let's just talk about we're walking down the street, we see a dog coming, your dog bounces up, he starts carrying on. You may need to change direction and get a bit more space and start getting that dog focused. You may need to cross the road and get that focus. Now, your dog under these sort of stress and high arousal may not want to eat food, which brings up a whole lot of other issues mm. like are you using the the food that your dog wants? Does the dog find the food truly reinforcing yeah. and valuable? Also, we need a or um, is the dog? Uh, I think one of the dog, uh, one of the sessions we had, I think the dog had eaten close ish to the session. I think it was the dashen maybe, and he just like wasn't hungry. So yeah. we kind of removed for that hour and a half session. Kind of took that tool out of the toolbox. Yeah, because he wasn't hungry, so we couldn't use that high value treat. It was no longer high value. Yeah. yeah. That's so true. Yeah. Which then brings a question, should we then feed the dog's existential food from our pouch? Mm. Should the dog learn that all of the food that he earns in life comes from training, comes from yep. activity that we're doing together yep. rather than getting fed for free in the bowl and then expecting to work for some sort of food yep. value when we're So, mealtime then becomes from the pouch um, yeah. and, and, and it's more of a game, more of a- a it's me- ideal. mental simulation for him. Men- well, like I will go to work and I get paid. I can pay my bills and I'm motivated to go to work for many reasons. Yep. I love what I do. I love to help people, but I also get paid so I can make it now my vocation. Yep. It's my career. It's things that I, I work towards. So there's many different reinforcements coming to me. If you're giving everything to your dog, 
everything that he wants, everything that he needs, you're not giving him any job, yeah. well, then why put the value in, especially when he sees his reactivity as being a valuable thing. Sometimes the dogs are reactive and then we let them say hi. And then they say so. They say hi. So then you've then conditioned that. You've you've reinforced the reinforced behavior. It, sorry, yeah. yeah, the behavior has now gone up. And and of course you've conditioned it. I see dogs. I act like a lunatic. I get close to them when we get to play. Mm. Or I'm scared of other dogs. I react, react, react. The dog disappears. He goes. Oh, luckily I barked. If I didn't bark, who knows? Mm. The dog may have come up to me and attacked me. So using that. So again, you need to have value in your food or in, in your food um, reinforcement schedule. And once you start to get some focus back onto you, what will start happening is over time, you're going to teach a dog when we see a dog in the distance, you do, you look at me, I reward you. Dog, look, reward. Dog, look, reward. Over and over again. Days, months, weeks go by. Then we start to see in the dog's behavior, and we see this a lot with people that actually consistently practice this technique and, and it's very reliable. The dog starts to look up in the distance and, a, and just some knee-jerk reaction, a reflexive response, a classical conditioning response happens, and he goes, huh? And as soon as he looks, big, boom, and then we yeah. jackpot him. We yeah. reward, reward, play the game, play the food lure game by, in that case, I would make it a massive big deal. The dog looks at me, I start rewarding him and running backwards, he's following my hands and I'm making a bit of a game out of it, going into a luring technique where he's following me. So now he's more engaged with me and not seeing the other dog. So just to recap, in that situation, he has... Without your input, he's done the right thing mm-hmm. but by looking at you instead of, say, barking or lunging. So, in that case, you, you, you're you almost not over-rewarding, but you're making a big deal out of it. Mm-hmm. You jackpot him with food, play a bit of, bit more of a game, a bit more than you would your, usually if you were um, shaping that behavior. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. Jackpotting him. So, there's- And something that was- And jackpotting just means like- like you, we've discussed this, the the way treats work. So you chop up frankfurts. Mm-hmm. So each one might be like a fingernail. So jackpotting is more like just giving him like a, a, a fistful of them. Yeah, yeah. The, the rest of the food. Yeah. Or yes, 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 and then give yeah. a bunch of treats. Um, physiologically, what happens when we use a jackpot is that he gets a big release of dopamine in his head, which is the pleasure chemical, which mm-hmm. then makes him want to do that again. He's want, trying to chase that event, that feeling, that, yeah. that feeling again. So there's a part of that. Of course, if he likes food then he's going to associate when I see dogs that get fed, especially if it's his existential rewards, if it's everything that he earns in life comes from there, then, of course, he's going to focus on you a lot more. And then, of course, then the role of how to manage the lead because, of course, there's times where your dog will lunge ahead. Well, what do I do then? I can't just tell him to look if he doesn't want the food. So back on that point, we want to use – so like the dog that I just seen, it was a little poodle. That's why I had Spades and Nookie with me. And they were working on, we're trying to work on that dog that would bark at every single um, dog that he's seen. He has actually bitten other dogs before. Mm. And so we know that he's aggressive as well. Mm. So a little backstory on the poodle. He's a, he's a small guy. He's three years old now. He was- Purebred? Purebred. Yep. He was from the guy's grandma, lived for three years or like two and a half years with her. Situations occurred. I'm not sure what happened to her. Now they have to look after the dog. They're about to have a baby, by the way. Mm. So they want to fix his behavior. They can't walk the dog. The dog pulls everywhere, barks at everyone, bites their friends' dogs. It's a bad situation. Um, we did our first session about four weeks ago. Today, heaps better. They said that they were at the coffee shop. Dogs were close to him. There was still a bit of a low growl and he's not sure what to do, mm. but they're controlling a lot better. Mm. However, today, when we were working, when there was no dogs around, he was 
that little bit more likely to have food. Again, still not as high a drive as when he was inside the house, but now he's conditioned to know that when he's out and about, there's a possibility to see dogs, but then jacks up his his nervous system, and then he goes into a hyperarousal, again, hence the reactivity. So he's taking food. He's under lower stress. As soon as my dogs came outside, he refused food. So there's a few things going because on Because he's over-aroused? And stressed. Yeah. Anxious and anxiety. What so happens? that adrenaline's making him, he's lost his appetite all of a sudden. Yeah, so what happens with that and is that in terms of what happened physiologically, happens to humans, happens to dogs, I'm sure happens to a lot of animals, is that when we're faced with anxiety, anxiety produces adrenaline and cortisol, mm. and those chemicals and hormones can be very effective to our organs. So then what happens is a lot of blood rushes away from the digestive system, rushes to the main organs to yep. protect them, and that's why we get the butterfly feeling. We feel a little you bit nauseous. Yeah. yeah, you're about to do a speech on the weekend, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, you're going to feel some butterflies maybe yeah. if you're not used to it. Yeah, yeah. So that's the blood rushing away from there. Now, if someone was to offer you a canopy just before you make your speech, you would most likely refuse it mm. because you just don't feel like it. Mm. So this can be a good I might gauge. take a stiff drink. And, 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 and that may relax <laughs> that the helps. nerves, yeah, right? that's an anxiolytic drug. So, yeah. Don't do that to your dogs. No, I will not. No, yeah. <laughs> a little whiskey in the water bottle. you to give your dogs alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> But um, but there's ways of calming those that calming that response down, mm. and this is through the conditioning, through training, and there's so many variables of what changes. The counter conditioning on its own doesn't change it, but it's a tool to get him to do what we mm. want them to do, rather than focusing on what we don't want them to do. So if your dog's not taking food, he's probably stressed. But then throughout the walk today, we were in the shade. We we're still like meters from each other, two meters. They're all relaxing. Um, I told him to come. He came towards me. I told him to sit. He looked. I marked and rewarded, and he took the food. So there was an indication that it wasn't like he was like has no appetite, doesn't want to eat now. It's that in that moment he didn't feel like eating, but when he relaxed, he wanted to eat. So it's a good gauge. Mm. This is a way for you to, in one way, observe your dog's behavior to understand how are you feeling in this moment. Mm. If you're taking food, then you're feeling better. If you're not taking food, then you need to maybe make a bit more space, maybe a bit more distance, or maybe your dog just won't be reinforced by the food, and food on its own isn't fixing your dog's behavior either. Mm. We're just it's trying one to- one tool. It's one tool, and it's one way. It's like money won't solve all my problems, but it'll solve most of them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If you have the money in your bank account and you get sick, then at least you know you've got something mm. there. It's not like the money fixes it, no. but it's a way of coming to the goal. And it's the same with the dog in our training is that the dog wants to change his behavior in order to get the reward. It's not that, oh, I ignore dogs, I get fed. It's that- I seem to ignore dogs and I don't have to feel fear anymore or I don't have to react because I'll still get to play if I'm calm. Or once we started to get establish a bit of consistency, but when I do that behavior, I get corrected. There was a pop on the lead, we change direction, something happens that's undesirable, but then it follows a, a positive where we play a game, we get lots of praise or I get fed. So then now it's teaching the dog how to make better decisions. And I think that's what, that's what we're looking at. We're rewarding effort towards the behavior we're not just rewarding the outcome because the outcome may not happen no, in the short term. But if you can reward effort and your dog trying, like he sees he's not sure and then he's making like this half effort, guide him a little bit and reward him so he's like, oh, I get it. Now he's feeling more confident within himself. And there's this concept of momentum as well, right? Once you start making small steps towards something, it, gradually getting closer and closer to that goal. Mm. But the goal, the goal's there, but that's not – the only, the main thing is that you're headed in the right direction yeah. for the dog. The goal is like having the coin in the well and you try to grab the coin. As soon as you thought you've grabbed it, it's gone again. Mm. That's how goal should be. Mm. You should never be able to just conquer your goals. No. Then what happens when you finish your goals? You need a new goal. You need new goals or then you then you have nowhere to go again. So, And if the dog's prone to this sort of reactivity, you've got to keep consistency. When you get the desired outcome, 
work on your next level. Or I can do a five-minute down, let's do a 10-minute down. Let's be able to do a better recall under more distractions. So have these goals so your dog's more mentally focused on you and engaged with you rather than waiting for something in the environment to tick him off. So that, that look command is good. Also, what has been working, I've been playing around. Um, Chad Macken was um, explaining on his podcast something to bark about. I'm pretty sure it's called. Mm. And he was talking about he doesn't do a look command. What he does with his dogs when he's training is that every time the dog looks, even if the dog's barking, he marks it and rewards it. Again, I'm if I butcher, I'm sorry, bro. You can you can correct me if I'm wrong yeah. for sure. But um, and it's been working as well. The dog looks at the dog, mark it, reward it, mark it, reward it, mark it, reward it, and then through that, right. So he right. So he's um reward. So hang on, say that again. You, he's rewarding the dog just looking at the other dog, even if he he can look, bark, lunge at it. He's gonna be con- if you're consistent again. Now doing this, you've got to be really stringent with how sure. you're doing it because you've got to be very, very, very consistent. But what would happen is, and when we've been doing this with some of the dogs, especially when I'm handling them a lot more, yep. is that this, the same effect happens. He looks at the dog and then starts coming towards me huh. for food. Right. So you tried that technique. I tried the technique mm. and I've been doing it with some of the shelter dogs, for example. Now, something that I did a little bit similar yesterday at the shelter is that um, we had Nick, one of the boys, handling Biffy, big, big, strong dog, um, on the tug. So he's running around and chasing the, the, the tug and he's throwing him around and it was all very engaging, very exciting, high stimulus. And I had Zena with me, another like staffy cross. And for her, because it's the first time I've met her, she, I'm assuming she has like no concept of what a look command is. She didn't know what yes meant. So it was very, very hard for me to be able to, I'll just open this for Nookie. Good girl. So it was very hard for me to, do what I would normally do if, in terms of setting a good foundation. But with the time that I had working with her, she definitely knew her name. And I know that she was living with another dog and that dog, she had a litter and then she then started becoming aggressive to the other dog and then they both got rehomed somehow. Mm-hmm. Now I end up at the shelter. So I didn't know any of this. I just, I like to know a lot less than what I need to know when it comes with the dog. So I want to judge the dog for what I sure, see. Sure, you're not prejudging. Exactly. Because yep. then it limits the dog's ability to do things and also my ability. So- all I did there was she see the dog and whoa, 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 barking, not really anything, just a bit of barking. Yeah. I'd say her name. She looked at me. I said, yes, I started running backwards and she would chase my hand and reward it. So in this case, we I had about an hour and a half just with me and this dog and there wasn't many dogs to walk. Luckily, finally, there's not many dogs at the shelter, which That's is a good good, prob- good yeah. problem to have, right? And in that in that hour and a half, what I was doing, and I make I'm gonna um I made some video, I put on my little tripod with my camera, so I was able I'm gonna Put something together and I'll post it up there for you guys to see some, mm-hmm. yeah, um, sometime soon. What was happening is that she started looking at Biffy, but then like looking back at me and I would then start rewarding. She looked back and then eventually we're getting mm-hmm. closer and closer. I'm getting her to do different things like lure her onto a bed and lure her into a sit. I wasn't working too much obedience. I was showing her, hey, if you look at me, good things happen. Sure. Focus on me, focus on me. That dog yeah. never, ever approached her, never touched her. And then that way they were walking and were very, very close together on the path. And not one of them looked at each other, more That's engaged great. with us. Again, um, in this case, I was also using some leash pressure. So what was happening is while I was there, the dog was doing his thing about 20 meters away. She's barking a little bit. I applied a little bit of pressure on that martingale collar. Right. So again, it's up high and tight. So a little bit of pressure pulls her in this direction. On the jaw. As soon as I say her name, Zena, she puts her head, like she flings her head towards me. I mark it. She starts coming towards me to get her food. I run backwards a couple of steps and I reward her. So now I've made that food lure almost like 
um, creating a little bit more prey drive from it. So I'm getting it to chase my hand. So then Zena, pressure, she looks at me, pressure goes away. Yes, and I run back with the food. And then what was happening as we were doing this, Biffy would come close and then she would almost like want to run towards me to get her food. And that's yeah. how we're trying to change it. So there's many different ways of doing this conditioning. Again, and we've, this comes up multiple times, but ultimately what you're looking for is you are the most interesting thing to the yep. dog. The owner, or in this case, not your dog, but the person who's- The handler. Walk, the handler, yeah. Mm-hmm. You are the most interesting stimulus. Yeah. Forget the other dogs. Or if you see another dog, I'm going to reward you for, for showing the right behavior. 100%. Yeah. And and that makes sense. When we have working dogs, again, not all dogs were designed for work, but when you see a working dog, they focus on, on the task or on the handler. Mm-hmm. So, if it was the farm dog focusing on the- on the um on the farmer, if it was a sled dog focusing on running straight forward. If you're the the hunter, you're out scenting following trails. So there's always something that we'll focus on. Bring and hold back is that you've got to give your dog a job. So then the next thing we have here is regular training and stimulation. Do regular training and stimulation. So again, another client that I seen and her um so her dog, Cocker Spaniel, dog aggressive, been attacked before, twelve years old now. She just acquired the dog a few months ago from the neighbor's do- from the neighbor, so she's still getting to know the dog. But the dog's like extremely aggressive and will definitely bite another dog. Cocker spaniels can be a bit funny sometimes, can't they? Like I've, they could be, yeah. But I mean, any dog could be. But I feel like I've heard a few stories about they, they can be very um, a bit jumpy. Yeah, look, I think from what I've seen, I see a lot of them that don't know how to deal with um some stress. Okay, so um, but again. You know, I see heaps of them that are that are really good sure. and they can do with stress. Yeah. But I but there's been a lot of especially the red cocker spaniel, I've I've seen a lot more mm. aggression related to yeah. um resource guarding and, and dog aggression. And in people aggression. So for example, with this dog, so the first session, every first session we focus on developing some routine, give your dog a job, show them how to do structured walking, following basic commands, a sit stay, the marker. down stay, the release command, establishing a marker. Practicing a lot of luring and recall. So we focus on that mainly the first session. I don't really do anything with other dogs because it becomes too much information. The client can't mm. take all of that mm. on. And the dog. And the dog is just like he's burnt out after five yeah. minutes of training. So I always <laughs> notice when, we, when we've got the dogs, it's funny. Um, I mean, obviously, they're exercising, so there's that as well. But by the end of the session, their tongues are always hanging out. Like you can tell they've, just, they've had pooped. so much stimulation. They're, yeah. <laughs> they're done. Yeah, it's for sure because yeah. we really got to get the dogs thinking. They've got to be engaging with us. Mm. So um, so she called me a week after our session and she was saying, hey, look, like it's great, the obedience, I get it. Well, she didn't get it. She said she got it, excuse <laughs> me. But um, but she goes, I just want to deal with this reactivity. It's getting bad. Like he's he's looking very aggressive, so mm. reactive and aggressive. Mm. And I'm like, look, and I had so – that was through a message or through a voicemail. I called her and we discussed. Excuse me one sec. <clears throat> Clear the throat. You're right. Talking all day long. Need a vapor drop. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> so I said to her, "Look, the obedience training is necessary to teach a dog what to do." Because mm. I asked her, "What do you now that the dog's doing this behavior on the lead? What do you want them to do? What do you want him to do? What's your expectation?" I go to be obedient, right? Like to walk a loose lead and to follow your commands. Mm. And she goes, yeah. And I'm like, well, we have to teach that first before we – like we want to teach a dog what to do rather than focusing on what we Correct. don't want them to do. So, yeah, we can punish the dog every single time he reacts and we're cranking and yanking and cracking. We can do that. However, we're going to have a very flat, confused dog that is probably going to be more aggressive mm. at the end of it because he doesn't know how to interact. Mm. So 
What we want to focus on is, and through a balanced training technique, is show them what we want them to do so they understand that walking next to me is a good thing and then that's the expectation of the walk. Even when there's no dogs around, when I say sit, you hold that sit until I give you that release command. So you hold these this job for him or this this um this schedule. And then when the dog approaches, we're not correcting the dog for lunging at the dog. We're correcting him because he's broken the rules of the walk. The rules of the walk is that's what it is. Mm. That's the structure of it. And if we can teach him what to do rather than what not to do, then we're show then we then we have a goal of what what we're achieving in this um interaction. So we sh- we we defining goals in terms of what we want, not what we don't want. So she's That's saying, true. I don't want my dog to be reactive. Mm-hmm. And and she's perhaps not totally understanding the obedience side of things in this in the sense that if you have a dog who is obedient, then he is less likely to be reactive because you've shown him how to display good behavior that he will be rewarded for that. Yeah. Yeah. Good example. If I'm running late to a class, to a session, and I'm driving in the vehicle, I can't drive on the wrong side of the road and drive through the red light camera and run over and like potentially run over pedestrians on the footpath because I'm running late to the job. If I was to be pulled over, the officer will ask me, what in the hell do you think you're doing driving like that? Mm. I can't give him the excuse, hey, man, I'm late to the job. Because you say, well, you, you were late to the job, that's your bad, but you, I'm correcting you not because you're late to the job, but because you've broken the rules of the of the road, mm. so so that so using that analogy of when we're walking, the walking is this is what we're doing. Mm. When you see the other dog, I know that's the excuse, that's the reason for the dog, but I want them to be more focused on what the consequences will be in terms of good consequences, good things, bad consequences, bad behavior, bad consequences, and from there we show that. We are being more consistent. That's why there's order in, in, in Sydney Road most of the time because no matter, everyone's got somewhere to be and you, we're usually normally five minutes late anyway, but we're all following the road rules and that's how it should be applicable when we're doing our what training. What the cop is really saying is you know the rules and you've broken them. That's, and that's as simple as and that. And that, boom. that's what driving is. It's a set of rules that everyone, when you go and get a license and you buy a car and you register it and you drive on the road, everyone's agreeing to supposedly obey these rules yeah. and play the game with a common set of rules. And yeah. that's- A code of conduct. Correct. Right? right. And that's the same thing with dogs. If I take my dog out and you take your dog out, we walk past each other, we should have on some level a common set of rules that we're going to respect each other. Your dog's not going to jump on mine. He's not going to jump on- I'm not going to jump on you. They're not going to bite each other. They are understanding and, and accepting the rules of this game being that this game is walking- Mm-hmm. As a calm, collected dog, and, and, that, dog. and that and that is that is a good way to be yeah. a good exp- a good a good goal to have. Yeah. At the moment, it's not that it's craziness on the walk. Most of the time, when you're walking, you see a lot of dog owners that haven't got their dog under control, and that's where it can look. It could be a good thing for training. You got to use it to your own advantage. Oh, that person hasn't got the best control. I'm going to use my. I'm going to see how good my dog can sit stay while we're five meters from that dog. Mm. You know, so you can be savvy. You can blame the world for your problems or you can take responsibility and then act on it. Use it to your advantage. For sure. Just like we're talking about dog parks in, in the last episode, that the dog park's there. You don't have to enter the dog park. We will show the dog what to do when you see dogs running around and you can use it for your reactivity. So, so it, it all comes down to how we interact. So back to that lady. So everything was good. She understood it. We were doing – the session was going pretty well. Mm. Walking these spades, he was – 
um, Sparky was a little bit, whoa, wants to go up and run towards him. And he was still very paranoid because, again, it's he's acting from fear. Mm. So fear occurs, then he follows through into- What was the acronym again? False evidence appearing real. Yeah. He thought Spades was going to attack him, mm. but he didn't. Now, in terms of like dealing with aggression and understanding it all, it's very, very fascinating to me. I have ways to help people deal with it, but I'm no, I wouldn't say that I'm a massive expert in the field of aggression itself mm. because there's lots for me to learn. Just le- listen to a recent episode on the canine paradigm, episode 99 with Roger Abranis, Dr. Roger Abranis. Awesome. Highly recommend you guys should listen to it. Um, it gives, again, depends how deep you are in, in the training world and mm. trying to fix behaviors, but it's a good, 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 um, good perceptions, open your perception up to, to new ideas and, um, and it was a very interesting discussion. But anyway, so working with this dog, everything was good. Now, something called redirected aggression is really important to know, especially with aggressive dogs. Okay. So with Sparky, everything was okay. We are going for the walk, and I had to um, – we stopped somewhere in the shade, just have a little chat, get the client back on board. I had the lead. I told um, Sparky to sit. Um, he didn't sit. So I – so what happened was Spades was behind him, like behind him to his left, but like not fully behind him, about three meters away. I had a jumper on, luckily. And as I told Sparky to sit, I just assisted him by putting my hand on his butt to push it down. And in that moment, he felt pressure on his ass and boom, and he went for my arm. Yeah, you can't really see. There's a couple of scratches. A little bit there. You sent me a photo. There was a pretty decent uh, gash there the other day. was a good bruise there. And he grabbed the jumper and (laughs) tried to like shake my arm off, right? And anyway, luckily, I got him off him real quickly. It was no problem. And we continued with the session. There was no major intense um, correction for it at that stage just because I felt that um, even though like obviously I pulled him off and I put him back into a sit and he realized it was me. It was a circumstantial situation there. So, was he assuming it was spades? I'd say that it was probably Because it came from behind. We're both wearing black, the situation. I think it was more of a redirected aggression. And this is what we see when dogs are aggressive and they're trying to lunge at another dog. And you put on a whole lot of pressure or you correct them very hard or something happens in that moment, boom, the dog then redirects them. You then become the subject of it. For sure. If you were to fight the guy next door and then I try to grab you back, you may elbow me in the face. Sure. I expect you to elbow me in the face, not because you hate me and because you're directing just at me. because you're so wound it's just, up. It's, yeah. a, it's a reaction. Yeah. So it's when adrenaline kicks in so, so much in, in, in the brain that we almost like can't see what's mm. happening and then we react. You see this when I was at the shelter. See dogs and cats and there was a whole bunch of cats and the way that we would see how the dogs were with the cats, we would walk up to the cattery. In hindsight, now thinking about it, probably wasn't the best way of addressing the if the dog was aggressive. But there was like there was two doors and there was enough space. Now in this case, there was a whole bunch of cats, there was heaps of cats in there. And what happened was they were all staring at the dog, and everyone like puffed up. And then the one that was like closer to the door was staring at the dog. And then as soon as one other cat's tail like flicking, and then he reacted to the cat, and then. Every cat in there was fighting. I'm like, oh, stop. I couldn't run in there with the dog to stop him. So I had to – anyway, by the time I got banged the door a couple of times, everything stopped. So that's what redirected aggression is. So right. these things can happen. So, again, good management. Set yourself and your dog up for success and don't be too close because in that case, you know, things happen very quickly. Yeah. And so did, did, did I think it was it was him thinking it was spades? There was a part of me that thought, yes, I thought – I think that he thought the dog approached him because he has been attacked before – and when you're in fear, you kick into an aggressive state of mind because flight no matter no longer can work, especially when you're the lead. Yep. So then he's going to, and of course he chooses that. Well, his aggression has kept dogs away from him. So that's what happened in that case, and we continue working on it. So we've got to be consistent with it. So 
Um, we talked about structured walking, appropriate expectations. So I think this is this is probably one of the most important parts of it all. Is that when you're dealing with the dogs? I think fart, um, spades fart. Yeah, I'm just. I was just like, I can. I smell something. <laughs> that smells like I'm a spades just, fart. It's a small room, man. <laughs> We're spades. This door. Bro. God damn spades. Come on, man. You know the rules. <laughs> yeah. Six fish, man. Just smoke. Just choking <laughs> over here. <laughs> And, um, yeah, so having good expectations of your training. Don't set yourself up to think this is all going to be fixed and resolved in a month or in, are we doing four sessions with Panos by four sessions? Should be, it should mm. be fixed. Like sometimes maybe, maybe in three months' time we've got a good handle on it. As I said, second session with that poodle and they were able to set the coffee shop with the dog five meters away from yeah. them. Great. But awesome. be realistic and be huh. ready to extend your timeline. Go according to the dog. Yeah. You know, um, the dog is displaying behavior. We then go according to that. We don't want to push our expectations on everything else around us because that's just not fair. And it's just not, you're not doing anything good for it. Um, it's good to have an expectation, have high expectations of yourself, but be realistic yeah. of when you're going to achieve them. Yeah. And I think that's important. People want, because we have instant gratification, we, we want things too, we want them too yesterday. easily. <laughs> yeah. You know, like everything is so on, um, so easily accessible and we can get a lot of things. Again, we're talking about material things, but some people want to learn how to be, a, a, you know, anything in six weeks. Yep. You know, the six-week course is to be a yoga master or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So the point is, is that let th- let time, let time, um, use time for your yeah. advantage. Also know that you may be working on this for a year, for example. Yeah. A year and a half. It may be earlier, maybe longer than that. I feel like that's one of the best things about dogs as well is they really can teach you perhaps by necessity the virtue of patience. For sure. You know? Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a big, it's a big, um, lesson. You know, the three P's in training is practice, patience, persistence. Yeah. And, you know, talking about the three P's is that we, we incorporate them consistently within everything that we're doing. So, so know where you're at, have a realistic, ex- realistic expectation and, I see this a lot, like the worst thing about training people that I know or people that live close to me is that not that I don't really, like obviously it, it can maybe annoy me that they don't follow through with any of the training, especially if it's my dog pulls on the lead and they don't do anything about stopping the dog and everything that I see, when I see them or bump into them, they're not doing any of it and yeah. they expect me to give them advice on the walk mm. when, you know, anyway. Yeah. So, um, but the <laughs> that's point, another episode. <laughs> that's a whole another thing, right? It gets me a little bit ranty. However- even with my dogs, I'm constantly working on them. I'm constantly reevaluating where they're at and trying to make them better. Yeah. And if I neglect loose lead walking, for example, I'll probably get bad walking yeah. and I'll probably be pulling on the lead. So what does that tell you? Like if the dog trainer is 10 years into the industry, he's still got to be working on his dogs. Yeah, then dogs you the with the, the amateur with the dogs had it, had the dog for five minutes, mm-hmm. you definitely need to be doing You that. know, the, the dog's a year, year, one year, three months, and he's still pulling. It's like, hey, man, like know what to do. And then just keep doing it. It's like you don't go to the gym for five weeks or five months. Or let's just say you've you've trained for a year. Now summer's here and then you stop. No. Well, then you're going to lose the muscle again and then you've got to keep going. Go so backwards. keep the consistency. Yeah. And just because the PT told you what to do doesn't mean that you that you keep it. Yeah. You want to be good at the piano? Well, keep playing the piano. Yeah. So then when you're at the dinner party and then the piano there, you can play it good. Yeah. Don't go, I used to know it when I was in year seven, you know, because then you've lost it. So so it's all about keeping that consistency. So, so important. Consistency is like it's starting to become – so cliche. However, it's it's a truest thing. So if you're not so, consistent, you're not. Gonna when you mentioned piano, then I was listening. There's a 
podcast I was listening to the other day and someone was talking about this. It was a good analogy. So, it's like like what you're saying is consistency, right? And being persistent. Like if you want to learn the piano, you better realize that it's going to suck for probably six months to a year. You're not going to enjoy it because there's so many tiny little pieces that you have to put together before yep. you get to the point where sitting down and practicing is actually enjoyable. Yep. So, you have to go through all of that, those initial baby steps. And it's just the same, perhaps the same thing with training, right? It's like, probably twice as hard with the training because you need to learn the technique and the, and the thing the and the dog needs to learn it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the dog's not even a human. We can't go, one day it will be worth it. <laughs> you just do it because that's just how it is. And yeah. I think I think that's also important. Um, something to consider for everybody is yeah. that, you know, it's, you know, Spades is nine years old and I don't have to worry about if my lead exploded in my hand that I'm not going to have my dog run away from me. Mm. I just know that he went both of them, even with Nookie, if the lead was to explode on both their leads. And if I told them to down, they were down. And why? Is because when I walk in the streets, I tell them down. Yesterday I was walking, I told them down. I walked three houses worth away and I released them. They came back next to me and continued walking. Yeah. Work on it, work on it, work on it. One day when you need it, you've got it. Yeah. Last thing is look after your own state of mind. Look after yourself. If you're anxious and tense and freaking out and frustrated, then what, what are you, what are you going to achieve when you're out walking? Is that you're going to have that tight lead? You're going to be, um, you're going to be hyperventilating, you're going to be running away from every single dog that you see because yeah. you don't know how to deal with it. It brings on a whole lot of your own emotions. And you said before, if you're not letting your dog teach you stuff, then what, 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 what's going on? Why aren't you allowing life to be your guru, life to be your teacher to be that? You've probably attracted this dog because you need to learn the important lessons of yourself. Yeah. Because if you're anxious and you, what happens with being anxious is that you overthink. When you overthink, it freezes your movement, then you are no longer reactive. Um, you can't even be proactive because you're locked in. So you're yeah. into fight, flight, or freeze. And if you freeze too long, you're, you're, you're missing important moments yeah. to your dog to be able to react. Paralysis by analysis. Good one. Yeah. Haven't heard that before. <laughs> Love it. Overthinking and then being like, oh, of there's course. too many options. I don't know what to do. And then doing nothing is much worse than doing something. Something I heard and maybe it was in that Roger Brenner's episode. Could be wrong. However, they say that you're faced with the saber-toothed tiger, per se. You freeze and then you either fight or flight. Mm. So, freezing happens. Now, if you're really good- at either fight or flight, you probably won't freeze for very long. You may freeze and then react. It's And it kind of makes sense for you to look at it. You need to freeze so you can assess it, mm. even if it's for half a second. So, you don't. your dog's going to do that too. Normally, the dog, dog goes, boom, they see, freeze. So, they perk up, they get alert. Normally, the tail goes up and the ears go forward and then boom, or, or then they look up and then the tail goes down, the ears go back and, whoa, and then they run the opposite way. So, that's what's happening. You need to be like, oh, dog, change direction if you need to. Oh, dog, hey, look. Or you see the dog and be like, hey, but we're going to walk down someone's driveway. Do something rather than – and how are you going to be a good leader if you're not looking after yourself? So how do you remedy that? You know, practice your breathing techniques. You know, do some meditation 10 minutes before your walk. Maybe while I'm walking and sometimes if I've had a bit of a loaded day, I'm a little bit stressed, when I'm walking six six steps out, oh, I'm out breath, six steps in breath. Mm. Calm myself. Two, now, en- two ends of the leash, man. For sure. If you're not if you're not looking after yourself, then how are you gonna look after anyone else around you? So normally the anxious people normally have the very hyper um, aggressive or hyper reactive dog because they're mm-hmm. finding the yin and the yang. Remember we talked about before in that last session, there's order and then there's chaos, mm-hmm. right? Um if you're in um if you're what's happening is if you're 
If you lock up, then something else is going to go opposite. So, and then if you're too intense with your dog and you're heavy handed, you may then have the fearful dog. Unless you're balanced. And when I say balanced, it doesn't mean you have to be anxious and aggressive. It means that you have to be calm, be assertive. You need to be firm and you got to be fair mm. and you got to see that's what's happening there. I'm going to react not out of an, out of emotion, out of some rational thought because I've been drilling this. Because my dog, I'll go, now you got to think about it. You see the dog and go, am I tightening the lead? No, the dog has to be focused on me. Will you stop and tell your dog to sit? Mm. Which I don't recommend to get them to sit while the dog walks past. I would say walk past the dog as if it's not even there. So you got to get your shit together. And then breathe while it's happening. Relax the shoulders and smile. Mm. Keep that, keep your head up, keep your shoulders back and mm. kind of stand tall, not out of macho and trying to um, try to fake it but it brings confidence if you smile it changes the chemicals in your body yeah, um, you, just literally. Re- you just reminded me then um one thing that i've heard you say a few times now in sessions is uh because you you, you notice like let's say like for a client obviously they've come to you in the first place because the dog has some issue or they want something to change so it may be coming into the session they're already like a little bit tense and then as and then okay so now they're trying to work with a leash on one side and a treat pouch. And so there's a lot of stimulus for the owner. Then what happens is they sort of tense up while they're walking or while they're training. You're trying to encourage them to just to flow a bit more and mm-hmm. hey, relax because the dog can sense that and yeah. you want to, you want to have that state of flow mm. in the walk, in the for training. Sure. And then sometimes I'll go up and, and, and touch the elbow. Hey, relax up. Mm. Hey, hey, chill. Mm. Cause if you don't touch it, you don't know what to chill. Yeah. You know, and then you can't tell someone to relax because then they think about relaxing and then they don't relax. So, yeah. So you got to tell them same thing with a dog. I don't say stop being tense. I go, hey, try to relax that. Yeah. So look at the aim that you're looking for. Breathe it, relax, or um, change your state of mind. You know, when you're walking, listen to something positive. You know, before you walk, don't envision that you're going to have your dog barking and lunging. You're going to envision your dog of when I see the dog, this is what I'm going to do. Because they say visualization changes your neuro pathway. It changes literally the fibers in your body in terms of how you're built up. If you're, if you're imagine, if you visualization, if you visualize you lifting weights mm. for five days within the time frame of if you're actually doing it, you physiologically can start to change. Mm. So if we can change matter through our mind and thought and through our feeling, because it's feeling first, then thought, then it projects and manifests in, in, into reality. So, mm. so you need to set that up. Not to get too woo-woo, but to start to take control of ourselves and don't be a product of everyone else around you. Mm. And I think that's really important. Give your dog an opportunity to teach you stuff. Practice patience, persistence, be consistent and... Don't set your dog up for for um, for failure. Yep, set set them up for success, success right? All right? And I think I think that's um that's some things to talk about reactivity. So as always, any questions, hit them up in the in the comments below. So that's it. Thanks, uh, brother. YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, lifewithyourdogpodcast.com. Beautiful. Hit us up. We'll see you next time. See you, man. Thank you for listening to another show of Life With Your Dog. Please like, rate and share if you're enjoying our podcast. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube. For all dog training videos, tips and techniques, visit nooches.pooches.com.au. Thank you and stay tuned for next time.